When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. as New York sports radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains. And this is New Report, Old Report here on Monday, March 11th from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you miss the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, really wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at LondonBridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can call in or text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437. Again, if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same, 929-274-3437, and we'll play what you have to say live on air. This week, Antonio Brown gets paid, and the return of Zion beckons. Check your sources, we're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Or we don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week of athletics, if you can believe it. And exciting weeks will continue to be on the horizon, especially in college basketball. We're entering the week where conference tournaments kick off on the men's side. We're very close to Selection Sunday. It's going to get very exciting for college basketball fans. The NBA is winding down as well. But as we say on this show, nobody circles the wagons quite like the National Football League, especially when it comes to the news. And in the past several days, the main news story has been the whereabouts of one Antonio Brown. And finally, late in the eve on Saturday night, he decides he will leave the Pittsburgh Steelers and get himself traded to the Oakland Raiders. Without Al Davis, the Oakland Raiders. This is something you'd expect old Al to do, but no. What a move for both teams. That is where we will start, and I will throw it up to you with a simple phrase, thoughts. Mr. Big Chest has found a new home. Hello, Johnny. Hope you had a great week, everybody. Welcome aboard, and we have found a, a, a wide receiver who is the best player in his sport, at his position, who has been, I don't want to use the term a a cancer, but a disruptive force for the Pittsburgh Steelers, a very successful franchise, one of the most successful of all time uh, since the 70s. And they have now lost their all-pro running back who sat out the year, and they now have lost their all-pro wide receiver who has muscled his way out of Pittsburgh. Uh, Something you thought really could not be done under the collective bargaining agreement between the players and the owners in the NFL, but he found a way to do it. He became such a divisive force in that locker room and so alienated management 
that they decided they had to part ways. And the best they could get for him was a third round pick and a fifth round pick for the Raiders, who were basically the only game in town because they were the only one willing to pay him. They had deals, apparently a deal worked with the Bills, didn't want to go. The Bills weren't going to give him $30 million in guaranteed money. So as I heard it, read it, they basically threw it to Drew Rosenhaus, of course his agents, and left the negotiations to him in terms of getting a contract done with the Raider Brass, whether it was Gruden, whether it was the worst haircut in all of humanity, Mark Davis, uh, regardless of who pulled the trigger on it, he's got himself $30 million in guaranteed money as a 31-year-old wide receiver. And the Raiders still have all three of their first-round picks, but the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the black and gold, get back a third round and a fifth round pick and have a $21 million, not five, not 10, not a $21 million cap hit they have to absorb because of the nature of the backloaded contract for one Antonio Brown. How much worse could it possibly have gotten? How much worse could the outcome have been for the Steelers in terms of what transpired? It's absolutely shocking to just even look throughout the timeline of Ben Roethlisberger's career of what could have been after the Super Bowls that he was able to win, you think with the three Bs, which they had for several seasons, that would be the perfect formula for that offense to take that team back to the Super Bowl and to win it. This is going to be looked at as one of the the biggest wastes of of talent and opportunity, I think, in in Steelers' history, if not the history of these, these offenses in the National Football League. Antonio Brown obviously argued as one of the best wide receivers, if not the best in the national. Football I think he is. I think he is the best. I and would, you know, Julio Jones is, is terrific. Uh, AJ Green is is outstanding. You want to know something? This guy never gets hurt. Right. He I, always plays. He never drops a pass. I think we get one drop last year. Right. He never drops a pass. He runs phenomenal routes. Everybody who listens to. Him. Everybody we hear, whether it's coaches, whether it's writers, whether it's the pundits, everybody says he's the hardest working guy. He's always working. I guess that's how a sixth round pick becomes an all world player in the National Football League. And that is literally what he has become the best player at his position in the league. And he, without any further explanation, he muscled his way out of Pittsburgh. He said, I'm doing what I want. We're playing by my rules. And lo and behold, he pulled it off. He did. My question to you, my question to you young man, is this going to set a dangerous precedent in the national football? Well, I think... GMs and managers and owners, however you want to word that, is going to look at this and hide under their beds tonight because now 
a lot of wide receivers with that type of caliber are going to try and do as such and get that guaranteed money, which I can't fault them for at all. Antonio Brown, as we mentioned, one of the best, if not the best, in the National Football League. I put my guy DeAndre Hopkins up there as number one just because I've had him on fantasy football several times, and he now has ACC ties, which helps me out for ACC radio. No drops for him this year either, but you can't go wrong with either of those guys. DeAndre, don't you somebody, to me, don't you have somebody who's coming out of Duke you want to put in there? Well, we'll get there. <laughs> DeAndre, for me, having to deal with the quarterbacks that he had to dealt, deal with before Deshaun Watson came to town and still put up phenomenal numbers, I like him a little bit more. But, again, splitting hairs when talking about Antonio Brown. He's up there. He's the guy. Well, there's other guys in the National Football League that are close to his coattails, and they're going to say now, hey, I know that you're trying to work out an extension. Teams are probably going to hopefully do that or try to do that with their players now because they saw what happened, and guys are going to say, you know what? No, we're going to try and take control. I don't know what's going to happen for this for someone to put their foot down and stop this. I think this this really might change things for wide receivers, guys that think they deserve their money, guys that look at the other leagues, what happens in the NBA, what happens in Major League Baseball, and see the success of what players are able to do and how they get paid. As much as this hurts the Steelers, as much as this is going to be, as we mentioned, a I can't believe they couldn't make anything happen with Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and Ben Roethlisberger, two of those three guys said, hey, man, we're getting paid. We're not getting that Ben Roethlisberger money. We don't have the owner sticking up for us. Saying, he's calling us kids, calling us children. We're out. I mean, things and were that now, bad and, for and them now, to say we're out, and they got paid. Now that this, this soap opera is over, the next most intriguing scenario in the National Football League is where is Le'Veon Bell going to wind up as free agent? He's the next guy on the list. And who's going to... He's gonna, the first guy. He's the first guy on the list. Right. Because he's a free agent. Who's going to pay him this that money? Guy, this, this little guy was became such a pain in the neck, probably the biggest pain in the neck, uh, you know, since his predecessor, uh, who finally made it to the Hall of Fame. And that's, I guess, my question. You're, you're old enough uh, to have seen Terrell... Who, who, Who's a bigger pain in the neck? Was it Terrell Owens? Terrell Owens was probably a bigger pain in the neck longer. But this guy became such a absolute horror show for them to deal with. It started last year with the videos in the locker room. And then everything that transpired this year from, from beginning to end to the, to the point where this story franchise just threw up their arms and said, Oh, got to go. Got to go. We're going to give you your way. We're getting you out of here. You know, he says it's Ben. You know, these guys are tired of Ben you know, calling him out on the carpet, blaming everybody but himself. And then you hear the reporters say, everybody loves Ben. Ben's the guy. Ben's the man. Ben's the leader. You know who to believe. You know, if the reporters, the beat writers are so absorbed by Ben that they got to kiss his ass, that they don't want to say anything bad, and they are not going to accuse him of being the one that's the divisive force and alienating the locker room. 
they all sing his praises. You know, it's always Bell or it's always Brown. It's never Ben. We want Ben saying his guys out to dry you know, after games. Ben's always whining and complaining. Ben's the one who's going to retire. You know, and then I'll say, well, I can't. Like, you know, Ben's back. And we know about what happened with Ben earlier in his career. So he's no angel. The real question for me is, you know, who is the culprit here? Because you really don't know. And we've heard these tales before where there's schisms in the locker room and a quarterback might not get along with his wide receiver or running back or all three. We've never seen guys just up and leave teams and especially at the caliber of athlete both of those guys are to either say, I don't want to play for that quarterback or I don't want to play for this franchise. It, this, this, this is unbelievable that this remember, happened. You know, we're, we're not talking about uh, you know, a, a more of a franchise. You know, we're not talking about the Jets. Uh, not that there, are, that there are others. We're not talking about Tampa. Right? We're not talking about, you know, there's our Cardinals. We're talking about the black and gold. We're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers, who after, you know, the first 50 years in the league, being the, one of the worst franchises in the history of the sport, became one of the best franchises in the history of the sport. Well-run, well-managed, three coaches right, in the last 38, you know, in the last 50-some-odd years, 56, 57 years, Chuck Noll, Bill Cower, and Mike Tomlin. And talent coming up the, out the wazoo. A knack for drafting wide receiver after wide receiver, no matter where they draft, they turn out to be terrific. Now, who they are, where they come from, what round, big school, small school, six-round pick. This kid turns out to be a you know, Hall of Fame caliber player. Le'Veon Bell, best running back in football. They're both going in for nothing. A third and a fifth round pick. A third and a fifth round pick for the two best offensive players at their positions in the sport. And oh, by the way, $21 million cap hit to boot. Steelers will recover. Steelers hold on, but if you are an NFL general manager, got to stop. Lesson number one: stop backloading contracts because somebody else wants to pull this, and you get hit with a cap hit of this proportion. It crushes you in terms of what you can do in free agency. We originally heard that the Buffalo Bills were going to be the suitors in this trade, and from what some reports were from Ian Rappaport, the deal was basically on the table. The pen was clicked. All they had to do was sign off. But the person that didn't want to sign off on it was Antonio Brown. He said, "No, I'm not going yeah, to Buffalo." No, he wasn't going to sign an. He wasn't going to sign a new deal. Not going to Buffalo, which I can't really blame him for. Do you think that the teams that ended up being in the discussion was so small, and the team that ended up getting him was? the Oakland Raiders, which wasn't necessarily on people's radar out of the gate. Was it because of Antonio Brown as the wide receiver, as the person in the locker room, or was it because the Steelers were asking for too much and that's what turned teams away? Some of the bigger name teams we thought we'd see at least. Well, you know, you know, the Steelers wanted a first round pick. That's number one. But then number two, you know, you have to sign them. 
You have to give him his guaranteed money. So now he's in charge. But there wasn't a first-round pick out there. The Raiders had a couple picks that they could spare, which a lot of teams didn't. And most teams don't have a third and fifth round pick to spare. You know how they value the draft. Every pick is like gold. You know, the NFL draft is the draft you know, uh, of all the major sports. It is the draft upon which teams build the most. And they treat draft picks like they are the only ground. So you got a third and a fifth that they could afford to give because they're three number ones. And they had the cap space to sign him. And since they don't have Amari Cooper, they got a number one for They need a wide receiver. They've got a veteran quarterback. So it's a good fit on that front. And now they can move on to drafting more parts to rebuild as they spend their last couple of years in Oakland. Signed a new deal with the, the, the city that's suing them. They signed a new deal. They're in litigation with the city of Oakland. Uh, but yet they've signed a new deal to stay there. So they have a place to play while they're building a new stadium in Las Vegas. It's as, as, as the Raiders turn. Simple as that. And, you know, it really is, when you look at it, the best fit. And probably the only fit. I'm pro-Antonio Brown. I mean, I guess... We don't know what happens behind the scenes, but I, I guess the Steelers were put into a corner where they couldn't back out of anymore, and they had to do this. So can't really fault them for that, especially to take a $21 million cap hit. Oof. They had to know something because that's rough. And we mentioned the draft is somewhere that they've found success, and wide receiver is a position that they've been able to just roll over from year to year. Okay, Juju Smith-Schuster is our guy now. Big deal. We'll find others. But James, and they have James Washington, you know, who's not going to have to step up. That's true. Uh, and, uh, and be a more frequent contributor in his second year. And let's, let's see if he's ready. And, and can Schuster step into the role of the, you know, the first wide receiver on the team? Can he step into the role of the primary target? And I'm sure they'll find one in the fourth round knowing that. The third or fifth round pick will, will turn into you know, a rookie of year wide receiver. They just find a way of drafting wide receivers. Uh, I, I wish I, I, they do what the Ravens can't do. The Ravens draft really well on defense, uh, but they can't seem to hit other wide receivers. The interesting thing, if you're an Oakland fan, is the Raiders didn't want to pay Khalil Mack, so they traded him to the Bears. Okay, got some pieces in return, as we know. They didn't want to keep Amari Cooper, a little bit younger than Antonio Brown, maybe a little bit more upside perhaps, didn't want him. Okay, now you make this big of a move to get Antonio Brown. And they're not really in a win-now mode yet. They're in a let's kind of look a little bit more polished if we move to Vegas mode. I think there's a lot of pressure now on their starting quarterback, Derek Carr, who had pressure last year, didn't really do much with it. Now it's, hey, man, we got you the best receiver in the National Football League. If he struggles this year, I could see them jumping in a heartbeat to try and find somebody else. I don't know who that would be, but now you've put uh, a lot I, of pressure under center with Antonio Brown. I, I just don't know. I, I don't know. 
you know, I'm in a quandary as to what direction they are going. Because look, look, let's face it, two years ago, the Raiders were the flavor of the month. Everybody loved them. Playoff bound. Of course, the quarterback gets hurt. So they have to play a, a backup in the playoffs. That's just a nightmare. And then it all falls apart when everybody thought, well, here come the Raiders. Uh, now, with the boatload of draft picks and money to work with, what are they going to do? Are they going to put an offensive line together for this quarterback? Are they going to draft another quarterback? Are they going to trade this quarterback? I don't know. I haven't, because I can't, I have no idea what John Gruden is thinking. Zero. Absolutely. I have less than zero of an idea. And I'm not saying this is insult. I'm just saying that based on what he's, his, his mindset for the last two seasons, I have no idea what he's thinking. No idea. Uh, they may draft Kyler Murray, right? They may draft the Ohio State kid. Maybe they take the, the late first round pick. And, and draft a kid from Missouri. I don't know. Maybe they sign Levy and Bell. Who knows? I can't it just look like a total teardown and rebuild. Now you spend a third and a fifth and give a lot of guaranteed money to a 31-year-old wide receiver. But who is clearly? You know, let's, let's say this, however. He is in his prime. He is at the top, the very top of his profession. He is at the apex of his career, which has been, I mean, the last six years are, are just, uh, they're mind-numbing. They're the six greatest years of any wide receiver in history. The six most productive seasons consecutively of any wide receiver in the history of the National Football League. And that's Lanza. Jerry Rice. Terrell Owens. Isaac Bruce. Art Monk. Don Hudson, Paul Warfield, Bob Hayes, Lance Alden. Just keep going and going and going. Hall of Famers all. Does Isaac Bruce get in this year? Maybe not. Maybe he didn't get in. Not yet. Um, but you, you get my drift. All right? Um, these guys have just said no to the Pittsburgh Steelers. One of the greatest franchises in the sport. They wanted no part. And we're going to hear a lot, and we already have. We'll hear even more Monday when Sports Talk Radio is on fire, as it always is, to start the week. Former players, former coaches, guys that speak about the sport, talking about Antonio Brown and not wanting to win and going to the worser team. He should have stuck around. How could he do this to his teammate? As, as a fan... A purist fan, if you were to call yourself one, of course you'd like to see Antonio Brown stay with the, stay with the Steelers. Try to work this out. Try to win with Big Ben. He's only got a couple more years left. They've got pieces. They have an opportunity to, even though they didn't even make the playoffs, which is for another day. There's better opportunity to win, you would think, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Absolutely. But in the National Football League, of all the leagues, I cannot fault him for getting guaranteed money to go play for any team that was going to offer it. I can't. Even if he's not... They could win zero games while he's over there. Get that money, man. Because you never know what's going to happen after a football game. Two magic words. Guaranteed 
contract. Guaranteed contract, guaranteed money, so we want to term it. Remember, folks, money in the National Football League, the contracts are not guaranteed. Only bonuses, signing bonuses uh, are guaranteed uh, unless you have specifically a guaranteed contract. Uh, largest contract in history, the Washington quarterback, excuse me, the former Washington quarterback, Minnesota quarterback, $84 million. That's the largest guaranteed contract in the history of the sport. Bryce Harper just signed for $330 million. That's right. That's right. Four times. Not one, not two, not three. Four times the amount of guaranteed monies between Kirk Cousins and Bryce Harper. Now, Bryce Harper may be four times as good as Kirk Cousins, but you get the point. This is a wide receiver who flexed his, his muscles and said, I'm the boss, and he became such a big pain in the ass that he won. He absolutely won. Now, remember, for this is building up over the last few years, pain in the ass last year, this year was so much that you brought on by Roethlisberger. Could well be. Could he could be the, the, the culprit? But, you know, last year, inexcusable, the stuff he did in the locker room, you know, with, with, with the videos, uh, you know, the sanctity of the locker room is sent out to the world on his phone. That's, that's bad news. That's awful. Uh, but then it just continued on this year, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And the flip side of it is, do you know how many games, young John, that Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, how many, do you know how many playoff games they won together? Not a lot. Does that count? That's close enough. The answer is three. <laughs> so it, it's not like they ran up a long history of playoff runs together. They put up outstanding numbers together. Incredible combination. But it did not result in team success. Three playoff wins, no Super Bowls, no championships. So um, if that's the bottom line, then, you know, you know the old saying, you know, we didn't win with them. We can certainly not win without them. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. And this is all well and good. We've got the Instagram posts from Antonio Brown with his son having a Oakland Raiders helmet already. Very excited. We have him in the pool. First day in Oakland. First day as a Raider. Very excited. We know this could all change on a dime real quick with John Gruden and Antonio Brown in the same locker room. Who knows what's going to happen if things start going sour silver midway through the season. Silver and black attack. Yeah. Silver and black attack. Stretch the defense. The quarterback must go down and he must go down hard. Al Davis loved to throw along. So go deep, young man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have Derek Carr just wire it up there and hope for the best. And meanwhile, you know, this just two, three days coming up uh, of free agent frenzy are going to be wild. 
in the National Football League. Uh, my team has a mammoth player out there uh, in C.J. Mosley, who I desperately hope they're able to resign. I think he's one of the best uh, every-down linebackers, uh, every-down defenders in the sport. He's the leader of their defense. Uh, they let Eric Weddle go, saved a $7.5 million cap hit there. So I am uh, extremely hopeful that a good chunk of those monies are going to go to one C.J. Mosley, who is uh, coming off a tremendous year. Uh, they're the number one defense in the league. He is a part of the Alabama connection to the Ravens. You know, the Ozzie Newsome love affair with the Alabama players. Uh, and his penchant for drafting, same. And this has been you know, a whale of a first-round pick, and I'm hoping they're able to retain him because uh, he will be in high demand out there for sure. And my team has your former quarterback as its quarterback now in Joe Flacco. Case Keenum is down the road. Traded him out of town after a one-year rental for God knows why, but who better to have faith in when it comes to quarterbacks than one John Elway? He just well, knows what he's doing with them. I, I, I think if Flacco is healthy, uh, he has a chance to have a good year there. He can hum it. He can still spin it. Uh, if they get him some weapons and are able to run the football with Lindsey uh, and, and give him some time to throw the ball, uh, they certainly can play defense. I think they can be a contender again if they do well in the draft and get some impact people in the draft and free agency. Uh, but that remains to be seen. And look, I, they got a fourth-round pick for him. So I was pleased to get a fourth-round pick. In, in this day and age, a fourth-round pick could be a player of impact. It could be a running back. It could be a wide receiver. You know, wide running backs and wide receivers, you know better than anybody. Look where you got your running back. Signed him as a free agent. Wasn't even drafted. So, you know, a fourth-round draft pick could be the A&M kid that I love so much. It could be a wide receiver. could be a safety. Who knows? Uh, you know, to replace Eric Weddle, although I hope that's Landon Collins, uh, who the Giants surprisingly let go. Uh, and we are coming off the combine where the big news was that the most recent Oklahoma Heisman Heisman, winning, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, so they had five times fast, actually broke the 5-10 mark. So he is now eligible to be the first pick in the draft and follow the footsteps of his predecessor at Oklahoma and the Heisman Trophy winner, what Baker Mayfield. What are your thoughts on uh, young Mr. Murray? I'm over it already, Al. <laughs> I, it's been too much. I've never cared less about a gentleman's height or his hand size or his this or his that. For one, the NFL Combine doesn't do anything for me. I know that a lot of people that like to evaluate NFL players would disagree, but watching guys lift and jump and run short distances doesn't really tickle my fancy. It doesn't make the gears grind watching receivers catch passes and okay let's maybe watch things when they're in pads and not in shorts and a t-shirt but that's for another conversation as well kyler murray hype is unbelievable over height al this isn't even where he's gonna go it was okay there's obviously hype he wants to play in the national football league then we're waiting on pins and needles to see if he's gonna crack 5'10", which he did by the hair on his chinny-chin-chin. 
And then people said, wait a minute, there's controversy here. Maybe he's not 5'10 point whatever it was. Maybe that was wrong. We'll have to wait for his pro day to see if... What is happening in this league? What does it matter? What difference does it make? He played college football. We watched him throw the football. The linemen that he played with weren't all 5'10 or 5'8 or 5'7. There's other six-plus-foot people that play football as well. I cannot believe the storylines that happen in this league that people care about. It'd be like watching baseball and somebody's uh, cleat size was a certain way, and, oh, they're not going to be able to hit because their feet aren't big enough or their hands aren't big enough to hold the bat. they got to choke up. What's happening to this league? I'm, I'm done with it, and he hasn't even been drafted yet. The amazing thing is that now that we know he's at least five ten, he can be the first overall pick. Thank God. Thank he goodness. could not be the first overall pick at 5'9 and 7'8. But at 5'10 and change, he can go first there. Changes everything. It really does. It's, it's going to be very interesting uh, to see what happens with this draft and where he goes, who the first quarterback taken is, uh, what are the Giants going to do. Uh, you know, they still got 63-year-old Eli Manning. Are they going to bring in his you know, projected successor? Are they going to trade for Josh Rosen? Uh, are they going to not get a, a potential successor this year, which I think would be foolish because they've got an opportunity to do it in the draft. They've got an opportunity to do it via trade. Um, I, I think either way would be the right way to go for them. Uh, I don't think you want to wait until next year because you have no, I have no idea what is going to happen. Here's where you're going to pick, who's going to be picking ahead of you what the quarterback draft is going to look like. Um, I think the Giants would be very foolish if they didn't find their way to get a young quarterback with the notion that he is going to be their next quarterback via draft or trade uh, in the next couple months. But we'll see how it unfolds. Um, This was the year that they were supposed to do it. After last year with Saquon Barkley, and then the year didn't go the way they wanted to. Everybody was like, that's fine. We'll get our quarterback this year. Exactly. Don't worry about it. it. it, it well, it fell here we go. So nicely for them <laughs> here we go. Because, because you know, Murray's out there. Haskins is out there. Josh Rosen could be a potential trade. Uh, uh, Arizona could be a trade partner if they want to take Murray and trade Rosen. So the, the opportunities are there for them to get, not Baker Mayfield, but to get the quarterback that they didn't draft last year. And you you, you just, you got to have some plan. I don't understand what the plan is if they don't take a quarterback. They don't find a way to get a a young quarterback to step in the shoes of Eli Manning in the next year or two. I I just, you know, how much longer are you going to go with this guy? That's not a how position. Go, how much longer are you going to go with 3 and 13? You can't Four play 12. with fire with the quarterback position in the NFL. You, you can't anymore. Years ago, you could. You can get away with it. You might have strengths at other places. And again, strengths at other places, as we mentioned on this show, are what can win you championships and what need to help win you championships. But you can't just assume with the quarterback position. It doesn't work that way anymore. You need and you can, to and have you something. Pass, and, 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 and you can't pass up opportunities to get one. Continuing. Now we shift gears. 
Now we shift gears. Let's go back to Saturday night and a tremendous weekend in college basketball. Um, best thing that happened from my point of view is that we're going to get to see John Morant. And folks, if you don't know who he is, he is going, uh oh, red lights are after my hot, red lights are blinking. They're after your hot rod Lincoln? They must have heard our hot takes. The player I'm referring to, everybody, is a young man by the name of John Morant. He is a senior. Yes, that's right. You have to clean your ears out. He is a senior at Murray State. They won the Ohio Valley Conference Championship uh, over Belmont Saturday night. He had a great game. And you've seen him on highlight reels and sports center probably all winter long. He, in all probability, is going to be a high first-round draft pick in the NBA. But the best thing so far that's happened is that we're going to see John Morant in the NCAA tournament because he is a really a fun player to watch. They're a, a, a blast to go up and down, watch go up and down the court. Uh, they run. He is the guy's got the ball in his hands. He's about six foot three, six foot four. Really a combo guard, but plays the point. Not a great shooter yet, but a pretty good shooter. Does a lot of driving, a lot of dishing, scores with both hands. Had an incredible punch last night. Really went to, went to the basket out of nowhere. Elevated, dunked in traffic. Uh, finishes often with the left hand. Has a penchant for uh, the old school uh, reach around, poke the ball out, steal style, which is pretty cool to watch. Uh, so you're going to get to see him in the NCAA tournament for at least a game because they won the tournament. Uh, and my partner, the big man, John Tiny Lunt, saw his Duke squad fall again to the Tar Heels in the Dean Dome in a incredibly well-played game for about the first 30 minutes or so. And then Carolina went on their run, led by their freshman guard, and got up 15, and it looked like it was over. And then lower goal, Carolina went to sleep. And John Tiny Lund's squad came charging back, pulled to within five with about two minutes to go. But uh, lo and behold, Carolina stiffened on the defensive end. And uh, Zion the Lion watched from the bench, and his looks like his Duke career will consist of, in that great rivalry, uh, how long did he play in the first game? 30 seconds? One minute. Seconds. We'll, we'll give him one minute, yeah. Okay, we'll round up. One minute, one turnover. Great. We'll spend uh, all of one minute on the court uh, against Carolina in the two games of the Duke-Carolina rivalry. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. I'll start with Morant. I agree completely, and I think this is an incredible opportunity for him. Not that he needs it, because as you mentioned, he has been under the radar on the radar of ESPN and basketball places everywhere. But this is an opportunity to get a little bit of national attention for himself. And even play himself, he's already in the conversation of being a top three pick in the NBA draft. But play himself into that conversation with general NBA fans, general college basketball fans, 
they can win the first one and he'll get in two games, that's a great opportunity for him and a great opportunity for his stock. I don't think even if he doesn't play well, that's it's really going to be too much of a tarnish. I think he can only go up. And I'd like to see it. I'd like to see him win a couple games, get an upset, play a, play a hard-fought battle in, in the second game, and we'll go from there. We saw what can happen to someone's story and to their tales in the draft when a young Mr. Curry led Davidson a lot farther than people thought. Who's Davidson? Well, here's this kid. Here's this team. Let's watch and have some fun. That's one of the great things about the tournament is we'll get one or two teams or players that you kind of end up having lost in the shuffle throughout the season, step up to the big stage and, and really play some great basketball. So for his sake, I'd like to see him win a couple just because it would be fun for the tournament. I, I don't think it's going to hurt him if they don't, but we'll see. Uh, they could be last year's loyal. That's right. So. I'd love to see them make a run to the lead eight. The more we get to see this kid play and, uh, them get a national following as the Cinderella, that would be terrific. Because that's what so much of this, at least the first few rounds of this tournament, uh, are about. Uh, it's not about the big guys in the first couple rounds. Everybody wants to see the big guys, uh, you know, when it comes to Elite Eight and Final Four. But you love to see the little guy uh, make their way to round two, make their way to the Sweet 16 ultimately fall into the giant. You once in a while, you get Lil, who you know, made it all the way through the Elite Eight last year uh, with the sister uh, <laughs> being the star of the show. But he's a great player to watch. He played uh, pretty good in the conference semifinal, but in the finals last night, he was off the charts. To extend that, my biggest takeaway was not him playing in the NCAA tournament. It was another player playing in the ACC tournament. News broke from Coach K and Duke that finally Zion Williamson will return to the court. He will start full contact, full everything, Monday at Duke. He should and will hopefully be ready for the Thursday slate of ACC tournament games. Coming out of his semi-retirement for the last couple weeks, it's, it seemed like months and years, but he'll be back for Duke and as you can imagine, I'm incredibly excited. It's almost, in a sense, being that great team that could joke with others and say, this is just our preseason, our real season starts on X date. Well, I think a lot of Duke fans will be saying, well, the season starts now when the ACC tournament happens. And that's not always the case in other years. For me, being a little jaded now after seeing Duke win a couple championships in my lifetime, part of me gets to these circumstances like, can you win the ACC conference? Can you win the ACC tournament? Sometimes I think, well, it's better for them to lose. That's more games that they have to play in a short amount of time, more chance for injury. Let's just get to the real tournament, the NCAA tournament. Not the best way to think because winning the conference is great and winning the ACC tournament is great, especially in the history books. Very excited for his return because there's a very good chance we will get Duke, North Carolina, part three. And reports from Saturday night where no one spoke in the tunnel after the game, obviously a little pissy. The only one that said something was Zion, and he said, we're going to see them again next week. All each team has to do is win one game. Not an easy task in the ACC, as we know, but you would think they'll be able to win one. 
and that would pit them up against each other. Now we're talking. Not to say that North Carolina wouldn't have won either chance. I, I think the first game, Duke didn't have a prayer. I think game two, we have a little bit more to talk about whether they could have had that comeback happen and took that game from North Carolina because they were playing very well in the first half, had a decent lead, and things went the North Carolina way on their home floor. It's going to be very interesting to see how he fits with the team physically, how he fits with the team emotionally, how the chemistry comes back or isn't there right out of the gate. He seems like a player you can put your money on that he could almost just come back and they'll just fall right in the line. And obviously that's the best case scenario if you're a Duke fan. But now we're going to see what this team is capable of or what we, we, we've seen so far that they could be capable of because the bench players aren't meant to be 10, 15 point scoring guys. And that's the position they've been put into. The role players haven't played well at all. R.J. Barrett has carried this team to several wins and kept them in all the games that Zion's been out of. It'll be interesting to see what's going to happen. I think, and in a sense, they'll be able to, after the first game, pick up right where they left off. But it's a well, huge test to North Carolina having to be able to do it. First things first. I don't think they can win a national championship without him. That's oh, I agree. 100%. Number two, I thought last night we were finally going to see that wire-to-wire game from Cam Reddish. And he did it for 20 minutes. He had a tremendous first half, kept him in it. I haven't seen him play that great 40-minute game yet that we see from Barrett so regularly. Agreed. And Barrett had had another terrific game last night. I'm waiting for Cam Reddish reminds me a little bit, little bit physically. The build, the style of play, uh, reminds me a little bit of, a little bit of Tracy McGrady. I don't know why, uh, but that's, that's kind of like the way I'm feeling. But second half, he wasn't nearly as effective as he was. The first, first half, he shot the lights out from everywhere, uh, whether it was, you know, the, the three point line, the pull up. He looked very comfortable shooting the ball last night. Even in the second half when he missed, he looked very comfortable. Looked relaxed. Looked like he was in control. Shots didn't fall in the second half the way they did in the first. But uh, he's projected as, you know, a lottery pick. This team is projected to have three of the top five picks in the coming draft as we speak right now. A lot of pressure on Coach K, as there should be. Because if you have these three guys all healthy and raring to go, how do you, if they don't make it to at least the final four with three top five picks, is that an indictment on your legendary coach or not? We're getting into crunch time with this, aren't we? Because <laughs> last year you can look at it the same when they ended up having, I think at least three one top ten, something ridiculous. They've had a large number in the past two seasons. Well, they will once this year's draft comes. There's going to be a microscope put around this era, if you will, the Coach K era of the one and done, if it was a good decision to go about it because Roy's got three, he's got two. If you go back, obviously, if you keep going back, it'll change. But 
in this new era since Roy's come to North Carolina, he is three coaches two, and he's done right. the one and done. Roy's gone the yep. other direction, built the team from scratch, and and has developed talent that way. Yeah, it's as, it's going to come into question because if it doesn't happen this year, you can't keep ripping this bandaid off and expecting the wound to be healed each time. Eventually, this is going to come back to bite them, and we've seen it. You lose Zion, this team doesn't win the national championship. What's going to happen next year? Here is what I was thinking today. The nightmare of nightmares. Because, you know, obviously everything, folks, there's been more more controversy with Nick ownership, which John will explain as soon as I finish uh, my point, which I just thought of today. Uh, more pressure uh, and clamor for uh, the Nick owner to sell the team. Uh, the Knicks awful again this year. Can't blame it on Carmelo Anthony now. Um, they'll be picking you know, in the lottery again. They'll have a great chance to get the number one pick. Watch what you say, though, Al. He might throw you off my podcast. He might ban you from MSG if you're talking about selling the team. Watch. You never know if he's listening, James Dolan. But how about this? How about this for Knicks fans? The Knicks win the lottery. They've got the first overall pick in the draft and followed shortly thereafter. Zion the Lion announces, you know, I only got to play one minute against North Carolina. <laughs> I'm going back to do Unfinished business. We didn't win the conference. We didn't win the tournament. I didn't even get to experience Duke Carolina. I'm coming back. <laughs> that could only happen to the New York Knicks. That's 100% right. 100% right. I wouldn't hate it personally. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, we'll get into the NBA when that ship comes because it'll be coming quick for the draft and, and what could go wrong and, and probably will go wrong for that franchise. Real quick to get us out of here, there's the Joe Lunardi from his basement. Here's the number one teams. <laughs> Top four teams in the in the NCAA tournament. We've already gotten a, a couple of these, but North Carolina, I'm guessing. Yep, that's one. Two is Virginia. Gonzaga. Three's Gonzaga. And I've Virginia. I've seen I've seen four as Kentucky. I've seen four as Tennessee. Is Duke playing for that fourth number one seed in this tournament? I.e. If they make the ACC championship, we'll say, they get the fourth spot. They have to win the ACC win championship. Win the championship. Okay. They have to win the ACC championship. As much as I hate you, you know what's going <sighs> to... Michigan State somehow is 8-1. Again, best record in their history against the top-tier teams. That's true. If they win the Big Ten even without two of their best players, uh, they may pull it off. They may pull off the last one seed. While Kentucky and Tennessee devour each other, in the NLSU devour each other in the uh, SEC tournament, depending on what happens with, SC, you know, with LSU and that fiasco, um, which we'll save for another day because we're running out of time. But folks, we have another coach in trouble. Uh, and I mean big trouble. Big trouble. Yeah. Uh, along with Sean Miller, it looks like he bid adieu 
to Arizona last night uh, in the post-game swan song, the post-game sign-on, and thank you to the crowd for the Kale Center. Uh, so I have the feeling that Sean may be stepping down. And uh, the LSU coach may not have a choice as to whether or not he wants to step down. This is uh, on suspension because of uh, caught on tape, so to speak. But, uh, you know, Tennessee had an unexpected loss to Auburn. That was their chance for number one seed. I think we have three locks in Carolina, Virginia, and Gonzaga. And the fourth one is up for grabs. Michigan State is a possibility. Duke is a possibility. Kentucky is a possibility. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I think Duke can control their own destiny with it because you can't assume. It, Zion comes back, you can't play the assume game. Well, if he didn't get hurt, they would have done X, Y, or Z. They very well might have, but we know in the NCAA, college basketball, you can't assume because there's been a lot of teams this year that looked – Tennessee was a number one seed for a little while, and a lot of teams seemingly are smoke and mirrors, not what you, they lead you to believe. After a couple of games, you see, oh, maybe they weren't as good, or some teams, maybe they are this good. We'll see. I'm just excited to see Zion back on the court. We'll see the start of it this week. Al, it's always a pleasure. Folks, enjoy your sports week. It's just going to get better. Spring training is in full swing. Bryce Harper is a Philly. Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimball are still out there. More conference tournaments are bound all week long. Selection Sunday, a week from tonight. We will talk to you about it then. Have a great week, everybody. For John Tiny Lund, I am Al Coy Plains, also known as Al Renato. See you soon. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. 